0: This is Mike, and you're listening to the J. Mike Fields Podcast, and today we have our first guest, Dr. Rick Ripke. How are you doing, Doc?
1: Doing wonderful. Thank you, Mike.
0: Yeah, how's your week been?
1: Uh, any better, it'd be like your week. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, so it's, it's going it went well. Oh, went that, well. that's awesome. Well, and I'm glad it's Friday.
0: Well, I really appreciate you coming in. Um, I, I'd like for you to share kind of your background, um, why you got into your profession, and then um, just just some things about your life or... Anything that you want to share?
1: Okay, well, name is Rick Ripke. Um, uh, my profession, I am a, a therapist. Been working in the mental health field for now, going on almost thirty-six years. Wow! So, mean I'm thirty-two. F- yeah, I mean, I appreciate Sorry, appreciate that. Now I'm going to go set up an appointment to talk to myself. <laughs> 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 and so. Um, been working uh, 11 and a half years inpatient psych hospitals, and then the remainder is in private practice. Uh, my background is, is uh got a master's in um, counseling and then I have my doctorate in, uh, it's a D-Min, but it's kind of a dual doctorate. It's a doctorate with an emphasis in cognitive behavioral and then theology. And so it combined, so uh, my wife and I started our practice 20, oh my goodness, 21 years ago, Um, and so that's got married, Kathy, been married for 34 years, two kids, Emily and Eric, Uh, Emily is 28, Eric is 23, and yeah, that's about it.
0: He's kind of a spitting image of you too, so.
1: Oh, bless his heart. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> our, our, our pastor said he's the spit from my mouth, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you, you could take that either way.
0: Oh, that's funny. So, so what really drove you to, to go into um, being a counselor, and mm-hmm. then why did you pick this type of therapy, so cognitive behavioral therapy? Mm-hmm. So what, what, what drove you to make those choices?
1: Well, what's strange is because when I was going through undergrad, uh, my whole goal was to go off to be an attorney, um, and uh, and of course I tease my attorney friends that God saved me from that. So he delivered me from <laughs> wanting to be attorney. So I apologize to any attorneys out there. And but what drew me to it is that uh, it, all through my life it seemed like I was the one that people would go to, you know, not without even knowing it, and. Uh, I kind of reached a, a pivotal point where I thought, well, I could continue my trajectory to law school, but that just didn't feel right. You know, it felt like I was missing something. And and actually, I started to recall uh, one of the classes I had in, in school was a psychology class. And actually, I went and part of it was a, a degree in psychology. Uh and I thought, you know, I really like this. this uh, I, I could feel that I could make a difference, um, not litigation, but actually to grow people to get unstuck is really the passion that I had even way back then. And so it just kind of moved me into the direction where I'm at.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and you said you started in Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. So you so you worked there, and then and then started a business here. So um, so your business is Christian Family Institute. Correct. So so why did you name it that? So what?
1: Well, I'm a firm believer that when you go and you meet somebody, you want to know where their foundation is.
0: Yeah, that's true. And
1: so right off the bat, I mean, you 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 know what our foundation is. Now that doesn't mean that when somebody comes in that we beat them up with the Bible or anything like that, but. That's the 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 foundation. That's the principles that we we go by, and and so uh, we chose that name so that there'd be no confusion. Oh really, no, that, yeah. that's it. Yeah, big big part of it was that you 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 knew what you're coming into, uh, without all of a sudden somebody springing it on you.
0: Yeah, that'd be uncomfortable. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, do you have people that don't believe in the Christian oh, faith absolutely. come in and?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, ours is not to uh, dictate or to beat them up with with anything. It's just to walk with them through whatever they're going through. And so it's very non-judgmental. That's, you know, uh, my job is not to judge. (laughs) Right. You know, Uh, but yeah, we've had all kinds of folks that from all walks, all religions, come in. And I think the one thing that even those who are not necessarily believers, they come in and they say, we just wanted to come to a, a place where they actually believed in something. Right. Okay. That there was something that was guiding their steps.
0: Yeah. So, oh, I get that. Um, what would you say um, when someone comes in that uh, what's most common that they struggle with? If that makes sense. So
1: Oh, I mean, of course we, we see a whole, uh, walk of, of uh, issues, um, I think most recently, the, the big thing that people are struggling with is anxiety. Uh, you look at everything that is taking place with COVID. Um, one thing that COVID did was remove predictability. And so anytime that you remove predictability, people start to wander and they start to become more fearful. Well, we also know that the root of anxiety, the root of stress is fear. And, and so it, that has heightened it. So we're seeing a lot more uh, dealing with anxiety, dealing with the fear, the what-ifs, the what-mights. Um, but again, it we deal with all kinds of uh, uh, mood disorders, uh, relationship, marital, you name it. We got uh, actually got somebody that really is skilled in each one of those areas that we also can refer to in our office. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah that's great. Um, So uh, I've noticed that in myself. So when I start to get anxious, I I repeat patterns that make me feel secure. So I I go and clean my truck Mm -hmm. or I'll clean off my desk at at home or uh, mostly it's cleaning for me. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like I'm in control. So I, I guess that's not necessarily healthy or unhealthy, but it does get you back to stability.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Because it has. It just, it, it removes, um, if you think about it, because ever, ever since the like the COVID, the quarantine, uh, it, it threw people into a state of flux. Nothing is familiar to them. It's uncharted water. So that's when, even if we look at the, the emotion that we start to experience is more fear based. Uh, it creates confusion. We also know that it uh, fear shuts down the medial prefrontal cortex, which is our reasoning. So it, Puts us in a state where we have difficulty seeing ourselves through that, uh, 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 reasoning our way through that, and so now we're more dependent upon others or other situations, and then the the emotion that is heightened also is anger, you know. So, um,
0: so if if we're put in that kind of anxious, fearful state, mm-hmm. are we more uh, perceptible and vulnerable? To um, others, or to what we're watching, or what we're listening to.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because we're confused, and so we're, we're looking for some type of the direction. Unfortunately, uh, the, the place that you don't want to get the direction from is the news. <laughs> <Telling> <laughs> so <me. laughs> that in itself would make a Valium nervous. Just just <laughs> listening to that, and and but uh, it does. We we start the, then the to then to buy into something, and then we start to move in that direction, uh, all based off of because we're confused, we're fearful. We're just looking for something to in, in, embrace to help get us or navigate through where we're at.
0: So let's say that, that someone's feeling anxious and mm-hmm. fearful right now, and for some reason they can't get to a therapist or um, maybe they're super low income and they just they don't you know, have the ability to get into that. What advice would you give them if they're, if they're super anxious and fearful, feel out of control? What, what's something simple that they could do to mm-hmm. help get back on track?
1: Mm-hmm. I think a big part of that is the one you want to focus on the things that you can control not on what you can't because if you look at uh, and we do we live in one of two zones we either live in the direct control zone which these are the things that I can control you know uh, in fact if I were to ask you what are the things that you can control what would you tell me
0: um, well a wise man once told me probably my attitude and my actions <laughs> go you know, figure you may know him <laughs>
1: So that, that's right our attitudes how we react or respond to something we control what we wear what don't, don't wear do we exercise do we not exercise do we eat what we eat all this we can control that but if you look at the things that we can't control such as we can't control what others think we can't uh, control others uh, we can't control the weather we can't control the past nor can we control the future we can influence the future but we can't control it And the more we live in that no control, uh, the more anxiety, the more depressed, the more worrisome we become. We worry about what if, what might, what's going to happen when. Uh, We worry about what I call, I call it preparatory misery. We're preparing to be miserable in the future that we're not even there yet. And so the more we do that, the more we focus on that type of future, the more anxiety arises. So the first thing we have to do is get a handle on our thinking. And that's why I like the, the, the cognitive behavioral approach. Uh, it, it is once we start to change up the way we think about something, what that does is in, uh, influence our, our emotions, which then affects our behavior. So I'm gonna focus on what I can control. I can't control the, this COVID thing. I can't control how other people act. I can't control politics. I can't control any of that, but what I can control is, okay, when I'm stressed, what do I do with it? Uh, Do I self-medicate? Drugs, alcohol, whatever, doesn't make any difference. Well, I know that's not real healthy for me. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna focus on things that I can direct, such as I'm going to, um, uh, I, I might log, okay, just to purge these thoughts. And that is where for 10 minutes, I pour out what I'm fearful of, what I'm concerned about, what I'm anxious about. And then after that 10 minutes, I go into five minutes of gratitude. And science is showing just what gratitude can do to us. I mean, it changes our neural pathways, you know, Uh, but also realizing that the mind's gonna lock in on the very last thing that you write. And so instead of uh, stopping at the purge point where I'm putting down all this, this chaos that I'm dealing with, I'm going to have it lock in on the gratitude okay, which in turn starts to set in motion different chemicals in our body as well. Uh, the other thing that we look at is what are we doing for self-care physically? You know, are we, are we exercising? Are, are, are we watching what we take in, you know, as far as uh, are we promoting more of the, 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 the empty carbs, which creates more of a carbon induced anxiety after a while, or are we uh, trying to eat a little bit healthier Uh when we say exercise, just going for a walk. I mean, especially at the 20-minute mark, that's when the, the serotonin is released, and that's where we feel better about things. Are we connecting with others? Not controlling others, but connecting with others. And that's where we have uh, people that we could just call up or, or what is it now, Zoom? Of course, now there's something called Zoom fatigue, which, you know, I'm sure. oh my gosh. Yeah. But anyway, wh- who am I um, connecting with? is real important. Uh, and there's, uh, but th- those are things that fall into the category of what can I directly control?
0: Right. No, that, that's great advice. I, I know when I journal, um, you know, when I, you know, when I'm fearful of or what's going on, I, I do not hold back. Uh, I'm all out on it. And I think a lot of times people, um, even clients that I work with um, in life coaching, um, if I have them journal, uh, just if they're, you know, Typically what I do is I help someone um, get from where they are to where they want to be mm-hmm. as far as something actual physical. So mm-hmm. um, let's say they're wanting to start a business um, and then things are going on and they say I just feel overwhelmed and this is too much for me. Um, I have them journal, but they always like, and sometimes they'll show it to me, Mm -hmm. um, but they always act nice or they're like, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm like, no, you've got to, I mean, just give it to me. That's correct. Like, I don't even care if you're talking crap about me, just give it to me. That's correct. Um, And then I I tell them to do the gratitude thing as well. So, but I do notice that they try to hold back. So
1: no, 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 we got to be real with it. If you're not real with that, it's still stuck. Right. You know, that's where we call it the purge, you know. And so, it, uh, because if we're, if we're not letting go of it, it's still stored in our happy little noggin and looping until we do something with it.
0: No, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and the other thing, too, is that we have to give ourselves during these times and with anxiety because, like you said, we have a tendency of going back and doing the familiar. We, we have this habitual behavior that we kick into, all right? Well, because it feels comfortable even though it's not healthy it feels comfortable doing the things that are you know that we is familiar to us so there comes a point in our life that we have to give ourselves permission to be uncomfortable you know it's in the uncomfortableness that we start to grow you know instead of going and and when we get anxious and angry screaming that you know what it feels uncomfortable holding my tongue it feels uncomfortable Uh, Just writing it down, it feels uncomfortable not doing what I once did. But the more I stay with that, the more it becomes what is called an unconscious competence. Uh, It becomes second nature to us. But to create a new habit, it's not to focus on the old habit. It's to focus on the new one that you want to create.
0: And is it different with every individual? Or is it a certain amount of time it typically takes for someone to integrate a new habit like that? Or is it dependent on the emotional high Mm or... What would you say with that? Yes. Oh, yeah well i noticed if i'm uh. so let's say someone is is more agreeable mm-hmm. and they have um problems being assertive mm-hmm. so if they start to do that and they're super uncomfortable and, and typically if someone's more agreeable and they're having to be assertive and have some conflict it makes them extremely uncomfortable mm-hmm. is it more likely to push them to to go towards being more assertive because of the emotional state if they get benefit from it let's say they did it and it that it had a good reaction Mm -hmm. so they negotiated with somebody and it turned out okay Mm -hmm. and then after they felt good Mm -hmm. so does that play into well I think I'll do that again Mm -hmm. so
1: sure because it kind of reinforces what you just did
0: yeah is there a serotonin release too I feel like I've studied some on that but
1: if you look at the the neurotransmitters anytime that we like even practicing gratitude or being thankful for something we have the the, the serotonin, we have the norepinephrine, we have the dopamine, uh, again, the neural transmitters that are being released. And when we get reinforced for something that we did, it also gets released. So there's a chemical reaction that is taking place in there as well. Um, and, and because what your, your question is a good question, because you said okay, does it take longer for some than others? Well, part of it is, is how intentional are we with doing what we want to do? Uh, it was once said that th- Satan thrives in our inconsistencies, and I'm a firm believer. It, people start something for a week or two, and then they go back the old way, and then it seems like it elongates their process.
0: Wh- why do you think that happens? Well, so, what's most common? Why do people start and then, you know, end up sabotaging themselves or stop? You know, in in any area.
1: Well, I think this is about 95 percent of our decision making, our behavior comes from our subconscious. Only 5% or less even comes from our conscious. So the the conscious feeds the subconscious. The subconscious is in charge of all these wonderful things, breathing, uh, involuntary muscle movements, all this good stuff. But two things that the subconscious cannot do, it cannot discern between what has been taking place in the here and now or what took place 20 years ago. So the more we start to fixate on things that have happened in the past, something negative, it floods our system with the same feelings that we had back then.
0: So our bodies are literally um, there. Maybe our minds not.
1: Yes, but. yes. So it's saying it's taking place now. Well, it also cannot discern between what is real or imagined. Okay. And so when when we look at this and, and we want to move forward, well, the subconscious, uh, especially if we've been in the state of anxiety for a while, it... Kind of regulates that, okay? It says, okay, this is your natural, all right? This is this is your your familiar is this anxiety state.
0: So is that a kind of a fight or flight? You're, or is that different?
1: Yeah, a little bit different. Th- this is something that is trying to keep us where we're at. You know, it, it's kind of like the thermostat in your room, okay? That kicks in automatically. Let's say the drop. You set it to seventy. The the temperature drops. It automatically goes back up to seventy.
0: That makes sense.
1: Okay, and the same that's what the, the the subconscious does. Well, what people struggle with is that they can do things and it's about the two week mark. When they hit right around that area, there's something called the fear wall that pops up. The fear wall is that the subconscious trying to self-regulate. It goes, no, this is not familiar, this is going on too long uh, what you're doing is, is stupid. Uh, you need to go back into the same old, same old, because that's what we know. So that's where we have to give ourselves permission to be uncomfortable is at that two-week mark. We say, you know, I want to be better more than I want to be stuck. And so I'm going to push through that, that fear wall. I'm just going to up everything that I've been doing okay and then now once we move through that two-week period and we stay consistent with it well then the subconscious says okay this is a new familiar so it self-regulates
0: so are you literally teaching your body that it's safe
1: yes yeah. yes it's saying okay now this is going to be different so and then that's when things start to change uh somebody once said it takes 21 days to create a habit which is false you know uh, that's it's kind of setting people up it really takes about uh Three cycles of 21 days so what is that that's 63 days but and, and that's not in granite but that's where we really focus on okay for the next couple of months i'm going to give myself in fact i'm going to relish in it i'm going to give myself permission to be uncomfortable
0: that's uh, it's making me uncomfortable thinking
1: about it. oh <laughs> that yeah, really does but that's when change start to come but it's also what do we do in that time are we feeding ourselves with the right stuff are we uh, the 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 dialogue is our internal dialogue going the way that actually is is relatable to what it is that we want to accomplish. So.
0: um also, so you said basically kind of three cycles. It, is it less intense as the cycles go through?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Are you experiencing, I know you mentioned often residue.
1: Oh, yes, yeah, yeah there are residues. Uh, and that oftentimes comes with trauma. We go through a traumatic situation. And we get through it, and then there is something called shadow grief, or the residue part, where it kind of shows up a little bit later. It doesn't mean that we're going back to the same way, but what it means is just it's just the residue part. We we continue to work through it, and the residue starts to get smaller and smaller.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's super cool. Um, yeah I do know, yeah, even in myself and, and clients that I work with, I, I noticed that that two- week mark is super important. Yeah. so I, I actually I had no idea this is what occurred. so mm-hmm. I mean that helps me a lot um, because it, it gets you prepared and set to oh, help yeah. and you know work through that or at least inform and let Correct. them know that it may happen. so Correct. Correct. Oh, that's super cool.
1: Yes. Well, and when the more you can name something, the more it, it removes its ability to own you.
0: It's like scary in the in the shadow and it or oh, in the darkness. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. When 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 you when you say, okay, I know what this is, this is that fear wall that they were talking about, you know, I, I know then that I could push past that. And and that's when we start to take additional steps. Okay, because I know what it is. What throws us off is when we're faced with something that we don't know. It confuses us. And so we think, oh this is not working or uh, I might as well just give up, you know. Or, or if people happen to mess up one day, then they go, "Well, what's the use? I mess up this day," and you know that kind of falls into this all-or-nothing thinking that we gotta get past.
0: And that's that self-talk you're yes. talking about. Yes,
1: yeah, because yeah. yeah. the, the the self-talk feeds the subconscious. What we tell ourselves, uh, even in scripture, it talks about footholds, strongholds. The more I I hear something, especially for myself, the more it affects how I behave, and what I become. It goes back to something called the belief-behave-become cycle. So what I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. So if I see myself as less than, inadequate, unlovable, a loser, well, the more I behave in a way that reflects it, and then ultimately become that. You know, Because when it becomes that, it goes back into the, the cerebellum, and that's where often they think that's where the subconscious lies. And, and so we, we, in fact, because we start to feel it, now we're connecting the feeling to the thought, which is extremely important.
0: Gotcha. Um, so you talked about beliefs was the first step in that. So, so what are some common, um, limiting beliefs that, that people get stuck with, you know, And, and also how, what's the best way to help identify those?
1: Sure. Um, you, you could always know if you're, you're having a limited belief or a negative belief because there's a physical response to it. Okay. That when we start to think, um, uh, when we start to feel anxious, or when you start to have anxious thoughts, such as what if, what might, or uh, if you're preparing to do something and you're thinking, you know, oh, they're going to think that I'm a failure, that I'm not good enough, that I'm inadequate, well, we will start to feel that physically. You know, we could get a pit in our gut. We could, we could feel uh, tightness in our chest. We could get sweaty palms. Well, that's... Uh, uh, our way of knowing that, okay, I'm going into an area where I don't need to go, okay, so I'm, I'm aware of that, and these, these limiting beliefs is anything, in fact, one of the, the, the number one limiting belief is that's just who I am, a lot of people go, ah, that's just who I am, I'm a warrior, that's just who I am, or I come from a long line of warriors, that's just who I am, well, that's not who you are, you know, that's what you're choosing to become,
0: why do you think that's a go-to? You
1: because think then they out don't of have fear? to change. Yeah,
0: because
1: yeah. yeah. it's comfortable. Then I don't have to do anything about it. When we're faced with doing something about it, that means we have to take steps.
0: That's not fun.
1: No, that's, that's <laughs> so it's easier to we'll say. Well, that's just who I am. I'm just anxious. I, you know, I, I, I just worry all the time. But you know what? That's just right. no, no. It's really not. Um, that's not your identity. That's a behavior that you're choosing to do. Yeah, and, and so. Uh, and then I went off and just forgot your thought, your question. No, 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 no. You're, I
0: was you know, just, um, you know, beliefs that people typically yes. go into, and then maybe some helpful ways to identify them.
1: And, and they fall into different. It's what we believe about ourselves. It's what we believe about others, and it's what we believe about our situation. They, uh, what we believe, falls into one of two categories. They are either in the area of contributing. What I what I believe about myself is contributing. What I believe about others is contributing to that relationship and to the situation, or it's contaminating. Um, Some contaminating thoughts towards self is that um, I'm unlovable, uh, that I'm I'm worthless, that I am no good. And these can be mental memes that we pick up from an early age, either through somebody's speech or through somebody's behavior.
0: We're soaking it all up. Uh, We're we're soaking it up.
1: Uh, Especially at at, at our younger ages, which are our theta stage, and we're taking in all this information, trying to figure out how to navigate through life. And so, you know, we we, uh, put ourselves down by saying, "You know what? I'm not good enough. I'm less than. I'm I'm worthless. I'm incapable." You know, when we look at even uh, uh, limiting thoughts toward others, is that where I'm uh, again, I'm not lovable. I'm I'm not approachable, or We we start to figure what's going on in the other person's head. You know, we we try to project into what we think they're thinking, what we think they're feeling, what their motives are. And 99.6% of the time we're wrong, you know.
0: Usually we don't even know what we're thinking. I don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we don't have a clue what we're thinking. And we're trying to mind read somebody else. So that becomes limiting or comparing ourselves to other people.
0: So are we are we acting out our belief when we're doing that when sure. we're trying to like read people's thoughts you sure. know so just to reaffirm the belief so are we do we unconsciously try to reaffirm those things does that does that keep you safe even if it's an unhealthy belief does that make sense
1: Oh sure sure a certain degree it does uh, in fact if I were to go to you and this is how these little uh, biases start if if I go to you and we're having a conversation and you said Rick did you know that everybody who wears plaid is mean. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but okay. Well, and I, have, and I happen to go to the mall, heaven forbid, but I'm at the mall, <laughs> and, and I see somebody walk over to me, or walking past me, and they're wearing plaid. Well, our body starts to reflect what our thoughts are telling us. It goes back to that neurolinguistics. You know, well, so I start to see somebody walk past me wearing a plaid shirt. And so I start to wrinkle my face and I recall what you say. You said, you know, Mike said that these people that wear plaid are mean. And so I got that look on my face. Well, all of a sudden that person looks at me. And if he sees this kind of scowl on my face, what is he going to do? Do the same thing back. He's going to mimic me. So I go, oh my gosh, Mike is right. They're mean not even taking into account what I'm producing, see? Well, same scenario, I would come into uh, your office and I say, hey Mike, how you doing? And then you say, Rick, did you know that everybody with beards, See, so now you know we both have beards, are, are just as wonderful and nice as they could be. I go, okay, so again, I'm at the mall, I see somebody with a beard, and I'm looking at him, I go, you know what? Mike says that, even, and you can even hear it in your voice. Mike says, everybody wears a beard or not? And so I got kind of a grin on my face. They look at me, and what do they do?
0: Smile. Smile. <laughs> hey. and I go,
1: oh, Mike is right. And it's now just reinforced it, even though I was the one that was initiating it.
0: Man, that's kind of scary. It
1: is. So I, I always have to look at, there's a rule of thumb, is that we teach people how to treat us. Hmm. not not necessarily kids but we do and sometimes we teach them that not to be approach that we're not approachable you know um sometimes we teach them that uh that they uh that we're not honest you know because we have maybe have a history in that again we teach people how to treat us and so part of it is to become aware and, and really knowledge is understanding yourself and understanding those people around you, but then wisdom is how they two play with each other, you know, how, how they connect.
0: So how do you become more self-aware? How do you, how do you examine and become conscious of those thoughts? So Mm -hmm. like you just said, people can make suggestions and then you go and let's say you don't even notice, like you're talking about the guy in the plaid shirt and Mm -hmm. let's say that you don't even become conscious of that was said earlier. But mm-hmm. you see the guy in the plaid shirt, and then your anger, and you don't even remember that someone told you that. So, mm-hmm. so how do you stay conscious in that? How do you become more self-aware and able to identify those things in yourself?
1: Well, I think a big part of it is we become introspective, and and so if that happens, then the instead of because what we want to do is is uh, attack outward, we want to go external first, okay. Um, Not my fault. Oh, not my fault. If this person would just be different, do different, the situation would change, then I'd be happy. Well, if I'm living in that realm, that's no control, and it's going to be transient. I'll be frustrated. So the first thing, if I start to feel that irritant, I have to go, okay, wait a minute. How am I perceiving this? Am I having any type of thoughts that are unhealthy, such as catastrophizing or awfulizing or or all-or-nothing thinking or... Or uh, am am I the one? Am I really thinking something that is true, or is it an assumption? If it's assumption, I'm not going to go So it really goes back to we have to we have to stop and we have to take a look at ourselves first, you know, uh, because that could be where it all stems.
0: No, no I think that's yeah. exactly right. So when we project it outwards, it's it's an avoidance thing too, right? So we're trying to avoid looking at ourselves and making yeah. changes. It's everybody else's fault.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's everybody else. We will fault find. We'll, you know, we'll try to blame shift. Um, uh, and, and, and really what we need to do is first take a look at, okay, is there something that... Now, if it's not, in fact, there was a, a scripture that says before you talk to somebody about the splinter in their eye, you have to remove the plank from your own. So, it's kind of
0: hard to get out of oh, it. Oh, it is.
1: I tell you, so long before any psychologists or cognitive behavioralists came up with it, it was written thousands of years ago. Is to to make sure that our thinking is in a healthy state, but also realizing that I got to take care of my own stuff before I go and address somebody else.
0: No, I think it's absolutely right. Yeah, Yeah, with that. So I I notice a lot um, when I know I'm supposed to be doing something, or Mm -hmm. I know I'm I'm wrong about something. I feel a lot of resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just feel it. It's probably the best word for it. But I, I know when I, when I confront that resistance and, and I do what I'm supposed to do, um, that's when I feel super good. Yes. Like, I, that, and we talked about the serotonin release and all that kind of stuff. So it's really just, if you can get started and build that momentum and be aware of those two weeks and then mm-hmm. those cycles that go in for those three cycles you talked about, if that was mm-hmm. about 60 days, you said, mm-hmm. um, really you could completely change your whole life in 60 days. Could you not? If you built momentum from that state, started building confidence in that,
1: sure, you could you could change all kinds of, of things in in your life. The thing is, is consistency. It all goes back to the intentionality in which we do something. Uh, the and it, it is and to reward ourselves when we get to those states, you know. What
0: you, what's a healthy reward? What do you mean by that? So uh,
1: I I like chocolate. <laughs> um, Chocolate chip cookies. Uh, no, it's it's even what we tell ourselves. It is, um, you know, what we could celebrate this. You know, we could celebrate when we go through these milestones, um, and a, a lot of it is, and it depends on. Some people are more internal driven. Some people are more external driven. Some people, and we all need appreciation for what we do, but but we also is, is what we tell ourselves about that. Um, when, when I celebrate, it might be even in, in writing my, in, in my uh, log or my journal. And again, I call it log because it sounds more manly. So, right. <laughs> uh, but it, it, so when I'm logging, it will go, you know what? I, I, I went, I, I got to a milestone right now. This is a standing stone moment for me, you know, and, and I write what it is. Uh, or you know what? I might, I'm, I love the outdoors, and so I'll go outside, you know. I'll I'll take some time off if I can, you know. And just to to, to celebrate that part, it kind of rewards it.
0: Right, I like the outdoors. I feel like yes. there is a serotonin release in that oh, too, absolutely. so it's like you get a double boost. Absolutely, just don't get too cocky. Sometimes I do that, and I am like,
1: oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's well, right.
0: I've accomplished everything for my life. I am done with that one. So no,
1: and see, and that's of course I am. am a whole lot older. i me and the Flintstones are real close, but the the thing of it is, is that I want to continue to grow. I don't want to ever stop. You know, um, there will be things that I will will come up in my life. And, and even issues that kind of cause uh, some discomfort or, or cause um, some pain. And then I have to look at it as not as something that wants to destroy me, but it wants to show me what I need to work on next. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's, it's how I perceive it. So I could be struggling with something while well, it, it's not there to own me. It's just there to... To give me some direction.
0: It's really on your team. Yeah. Oh, we're just perceiving it. Yeah, it's not sometimes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It just says you just need to work on this. Yeah. So
0: that makes sense. So, what are some books that you would suggest for people? And I know you have one of your own, so oh, I, yes. I would suggest that one. But
1: <laughs> well, there's there's all kinds of. Uh, again, I'm a firm believer, and when a, a client comes in to give homework, I, I make sure that it's not just about our time together there, but it's what they do outside of it. Um, and, and so I'm also a firm believer that take in as much information as you possibly can about the area that you want to improve. Uh, there are books like, uh, there's a book by uh, Dr. William Backus called Telling Yourself the Truth. Um, there's Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Who Switched Off My Brain, is a, uh, another good Funny, book. Funny, that
0: one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a good
1: one. Uh, of course, I, I have a book out called uh, Rethink for a Change. Um, there are uh other books, uh, Freedom from Fear and Worry is, a, is another good book, or the author, I can't think of who the author is. Um, but there's, on again, with any area that you want to grow, first start to grow with the information. In fact, if we want to be transformed in any area of our life, there's kind of a formula. It is information, Plus consistent application of information equals transformation. People will read something, but they don't apply it, and then they get frustrated and they say, This doesn't work.
0: Oh my gosh. See? Yep.
1: And yep. see the, the critical part so, yeah. is the the consistent application of what you just taken in. And so I will read something, but it just can't stop at that. I have to apply, apply, apply until transformation starts to show up at the door transformation is a byproduct that's all it is it's a byproduct of that that application stage but that's what people do they'll they'll read something they go well this is fine and they'll do it for like i said up to about two week period and they stop and they go well i tried this it doesn't work well you really have to be intentional with it there has to be a consistency with that information so you could get the transformation you want in life
0: do you think that has anything to do with um, our kind of instant gratification, especially in Western society? Um, do you think that affects that? Is it different in other parts of the world, would, would you say, or things that you've read or people you've interacted with?
1: No, I think that's right. Culturally, uh, I think that we want immediate feedback. We, we want immediate gratification. Of course, if you look now, we have uh, microwaves. If, our, if the microwave doesn't cook our food in uh, 30 seconds, then we're impatient. Uh, computers. I mean, people now, if it's, if, if it's not connecting you with uh, the individual or what you want immediately, even things like Speedo. We wear Speedos <laughs> <laughs> because we want to get going faster. Uh, uh, we'll even have things like uh, shampoo and conditioner in the same bottle, so it takes out the all-consuming conditioning. Fast food. We go through fast food things. So, yeah, it, it, just society is saying you got to hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. What we what we really have to understand, and I once heard this in a book, so this is not original. I, I once heard somebody say that we're trying to go light speed, but we're designed to go camel speed. That's good. And, and so we need to go through the process. It's the process that grows us. But what we want is outcome immediately. There's no growth in that none it's when we go through the process aspect that we start to grow well
0: it's almost like we prove to ourselves it's Mm -hmm. almost like you're teaching your body and your mind that Mm -hmm. like you can look back in the past now and say like well i stuck with this like this i have a proven track record now and i can stick with these things absolutely yeah
1: well i remember even in sports and, and and you, you know this, too, is it, when you're playing ball, the coach will come over to you and say, hey, you need to change your grip or you need to hold your hands differently or, or whatever. Well, at first, it feels really uncomfortable. You think, this doesn't work. I just, uh. But you stay with it because it's the correct way to do it. You stay with it. Eventually, then that's when the muscle memory kicks in. That's when it feels natural to you, and it feels unnatural going back. But what happens is that when we're in that stage... And just like in sports, coach comes over, you need to do this. Well, but don't worry about the score. Don't worry about, you know, what you think that you're, if you're winning or not winning, just do it. Well, what happens we get started and we change our grip on something, but we're not getting the score that we want. So automatically we go back to the old way of doing things. And now we stay stuck versus, okay, I'm going to stay with this regardless of the outcome until I until it becomes a healthy outcome.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's always fun when you, uh, when you do something automatically and you didn't think about it and then mm-hmm. for the first time. Oh, and yes. then you, so if you're you know, passing a football or you, yes. know, you change the way you shoot a jump shot and you're, you constantly happen to think about it, you're still in that. What's the initial stage called? When I was skydiving I used to talk about this a lot um, that you're still thinking about what you're doing. So you're not doing oh, it naturally.
1: Yes, there. And if we go through this, this actually goes through uh, Maslow's hierarchy of learning. And the first stage is called the in inco- or the unconscious incompetence stage. All right, where we're dealing with an issue, uh, and we're not quite sure what the issue is, and the incompetence is I have no tools to deal with that, which I don't know what it is. Well, well, then it moves into the, the second stage, is called conscious incompetence, and this is where. We're conscious of what the issue is, but yet we don't have any tools yet to help get us through that issue, which then moves us to the third stage, which is conscious competence. This is where I, this is the issue, this is what I'm facing, this is what I'm doing, but I, I am more cognitive. I have to really think about what I'm doing, I have to think about the process, I have to go through all the steps in my head. Well, the longer i do that the more i'm into that then it moves us into the final stage and that is unconscious incompetence i don't even have to think about it, it it's automatic it, it's like i don't know if you ever uh, uh when i first moved to uh, bowling green here trying to get around all right i really oh, had yeah. to think about it i think oh my gosh how, what street do i take what well, now there are some times that I get in the car and the next thing you know, I'm at my office. I, I, it Just automatically. I don't even think about it, okay? It's the same thing when we're taking on new tasks or new jobs. We go through those stage. Is
0: that why we're uncomfortable when we yeah. get a new job or, or move somewhere, that oh, kind of sure, stuff?
1: Sure, sure. We're trying to find our place. We, we, we're trying to fit in. We're trying to, uh, we're trying to get connected. But the the more uh, again we're there, the more we're we're uh, moving through it. The more we're putting in the th- the steps that we know we need to do, the more then it starts to become comfortable.
0: No, that that makes sense. Oh yeah,
1: it is. But what we have a tendency of doing, and even in sports, there's something called short term memory, and and I remember uh, of course when I when I played football, but not just when I played football is when uh, Eric at, when he played football in high school. Um. Let's say he's, he's the quarterback role, and so let's say he's out there and he throws an interception. Well, the unhealthy thought process is, oh my gosh, I threw an interception, I'm a horrible player, I don't know why I'm out here, I should be doing anything but, you know, uh, playing football, I'm awful. Well, the next throw that he makes, well, it's higher incident that he's gonna throw another interception, right? So from the sideline, you hear the term short term, short term. Well, short term is not focusing on what we did wrong, but focusing on what we need to do right. Well, instead, of I got to throw off my back foot. I got to make sure that I lead them five to 10 yards. I'm not going to throw into a gathering. Well, at that point, now you shift your focus from beating yourself up. But then to, okay, this is now proactive. This is the, the steps I need to take. They remind you to go back into yes. that.
0: So when we mess up, is that um, a, a fear trigger? And it's, it's almost like, well, I'm not doing something right here. Mm-hmm. And I need, to, I need to restart this from the beginning or something like that. Oh, sure. Yeah, no,
1: yeah. it is. It is a fear tr- And that's where we, when we mess up so often, that gives our, ourselves permission not to continue yeah it's that all or nothing thinking we forget of all those steps that we did take and we just focus on that that singular mess up or i mean on a daily basis we mess up but it's what we do with that mess up do we focus on that or do we focus what we need continue to do
0: yeah. And, and saying that short term that mm-hmm. that's just a good quick reminder that's right just so it. your brain just oh yeah you know i just messed up that's just need it. to focus on the next one
1: yep, yep yep shift it shake it off and the coaches i don't know you probably had coaches that some of wrong. go shake it off you know just walk off, get, get going well that's the uh, another way of saying short term just you, okay don't focus on that focus on what you need to do not on what you did wrong
0: oh that makes sense mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense um i was going to ask you what what made you want to write a book? So, and and, and why um, did you title it the way you did? And, and and maybe you could share some of the information and 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 what how it could help someone. Like, who would this book be good for?
1: Sure. It was. Uh, I had written uh, numerous articles in the past, and and really, I didn't really even care uh, about writing. I didn't have any really interest in it, but. It was, it was so strange that um, when I would see something, I would automatically just kind of go home and kind of jot it out, you know, or if I had an idea, I would I would write out, not knowing where it was going to go. And then just people throughout the years would say, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? No, I don't want to write a book, you know. Uh, it, and so uh, it was being reinforced by people that were just coming across my path. So I said, okay, maybe God's trying to tell me something. And, and it was with... Uh, friends and with my my wife Kathy who uh, I think is uh, an ultimate in my supporter I mean she's just wonderful Uh, she goes you need to start you know I thought okay so I compiled some stuff and I thought okay I'll see I'll I'll test the water I'll I'll send it to an editor and just see what they think
0: and you're like please tell me it's bad oh
1: yeah that's what I'm (laughs) actually that's what I was hoping if they go okay if they say Rick, you know what? You might want to file this in in file thirteen, which is the trash can. Uh, uh, great, then I don't have to worry about doing it. But it, it, the the response was favorable, you know, and it was a good response. And and Kathy says, see, and then the, the friends that have been pushing me to to uh, write the book, and I just went from there. Just started putting things together, and because I saw how people got stuck, and I also wanted to combine. Uh, not only the cognitive behavioral perspective, but I also wanted to, because if for me, and just for me, that, that the the biblical concepts are extremely important. And like I said, long before the cognitive came up with it, they were written in scripture. And so I wanted to combine the two. And that's where, uh, and I didn't see a whole lot of that out there. And, and that's what I did is I combined that. So uh, my whole goal was to hope and to have people get transformed, um, transform lives. In fact, it, it the whole book is stemming off this verse uh, in Romans twelve two: Be no longer conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can't be truly transformed until we start to transform our mind. And so that's where the book came out.
0: No, I'm I'm glad you did that. I think it makes it way more authentic. And yeah. and I love the book. I mean, it well, is. I mean, great advice. Um, um it's awesome. And I, I thought, too, uh, you know, sometimes uh, religious books or spiritual books or Christian books yeah. um, can go. It, it almost feels like I'm being judged some. Yes. And the way that you wrote it was perfect. I did not feel like that at all. Good. Um, it was just good, solid information. And, and it did show where, you know, biblically the, um, the thought process, yes. you know, they, they knew that back then, too. Oh, yes, so, yes. I guess cognitive behavioral therapy just kind of stepped up on that and made okay. it more for the modern world as far as the thoughts and the processing.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's right now over 300 verses that talk about how our thoughts influence our behavior.
0: I guess they knew how to think, too. Oh, they,
1: they knew how to think. You know, it talks about uh, that we're... Similar uh, struggles. Oh, yeah, to, to put off the old person, put on the new, but change the attitude of your mind or take captive every thought. You know, all these are, are in there. But it, that's why I also wanted to put in... Um, uh, ways that you could change these because somebody could say you need to change and you go okay how
0: yeah that's the the big question yeah okay
1: (laughs) how and they just say well you just need to change well to to give some steps on how to was extremely important to me too
0: no i i think in the book called them recipes right so you kind of oh yeah i have a section
1: in there about recipes yeah yeah and, and that, that part of it is that, uh, and I do believe that all of us are, we're, we're all reading off a specific recipe, uh, a recipe as far as relationships, what relationships look like, what uh, we look like. Um, uh, when we look at, and, and I use uh, my mom, of course my mom and her family came from Stockholm, and they would make this dish on, on uh, uh, Christmas called cabbage pudding, which sounds horrid, but pudding, Scandinavia, means casserole. And so my family had kind of taken on that, that tradition. Well, I, I had to find that. My mom passed away, and I wanted to carry it on. So I found that recipe. And after I you know deciphered it, uh, uh, we got the title of that recipe was cabbage pudding or cabbage casserole. Well, underneath the title, see, the title is nothing more than the outcome. That's what you want to get to is the cabbage casserole. Well, the steps in getting to the cabbage casserole is the process. So that's where it gives the ingredients, that we give this is how long you you know, you cook it, this is the mixture of it, and all this good stuff. Well, even if I were to mark out that that title, cabbage casserole, and I just followed the the, the ingredients and how to specifically, well, then I put it in the oven, out pops cabbage casserole so it's you're the outcome still
0: gonna get the result i'm gonna even still, if you don't. Yeah.
1: yes because I'm, I'm doing the process well let's say one day i wake up and i go i want uh chocolate chip cookies the only recipe card i have is the cabbage casserole so i mark out the title cabbage casserole and i write in chocolate chip cookies but i do nothing to change the ingredients Okay, so I still follow the ingredients. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait for these chocolate chip cookies, and I put it in the oven, and what's going to pop out?
0: Cabbage pudding.
1: And then I get angry, and I go, this doesn't work. This is a horrible recipe. It's not until we change the process or the steps so that they reflect the outcome that we desire that we'll get it.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. That helped me a lot with... um so I, I always focused on the outcome too much. And mm-hmm. a lot of times that's given advice, you know, focus on your outcome, remember your mm-hmm. outcome. And that's true, but yeah. um, I had to fall in love with the process. Yes. So even, so creating habits for myself, self care or whatever project I'm trying to work on, um, it really took me to understand that I'm not always gonna feel like doing this. Correct. But this is just a process. That's and correct. there's days, so, so if you're a writer and you're writing, mm-hmm. There's going to be days where you write a couple pages and and it's great, and there's going to be other days where you write two sentences and they're crap. Yep. But it's the process and the consistency of doing it. Yes. Yeah, that keeps you moving forward towards the outcome.
1: Yep. Then yeah. you get that transformation at that point. Yeah. But people uh, in their recipe, they feel uncomfortable changing up anything in it because they'll start to say, "Well, this is not how my family did it."
0: You know, <laughs> this- why, why is that? Why do we? Why are we so uncomfortable? changing the process even if it's given us a horrible outcome a 100 times but we still try to do it the same way so for so if we try to get in shape or we're trying to lose weight or something like that um and we we've, we've tried this 10 times and it hasn't worked why do we go back to that same thing and still try it again even though we know it doesn't work
1: it's the familiar yeah people do they, they uh, unfortunately we want to take the road of least resistance and the road of least resistance is the familiar and so that's why we have to be, give ourselves permission to be uncomfortable to move forward.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I say this often, uh, um, the road to resist the road, um, following resistance leads to your highest self. Sure. So if you move, follow your fears. Yes. Yeah. So if you move towards that resistance, um, mm-hmm. that's what gets you there. Absolutely. Yeah. And helps you with the process.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Cause if you really think about it, our fear is, uh, now I'm not talking about common sense fear. I'm not going to walk out in front of a truck or spit in a bear's face or anything like no. that. But the, the, the big thing is too is I don't want to buy into what fear is telling me because if you think of in our lives everything that we were fearful of, what percentage of it actually came to fruition? Almost none, typically. See, and so what we do, and that's we got we gotta actually come to the point where we start to see fear as a liar. It's deceptive. It wants to keep you stuck. We we see it as an entity, you know, and the entity that comes to mind is that Mucinex man, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or or what is it in uh, Harry Potter the um the the the,
0: the um, they float around. That's and it's funny. That's uh, actually used you as an example on a couple podcasts ago, and it's the Death Eaters. Yes, yeah, Death Eaters. Yeah, well, that's so. to me
1: that's what fear looks like. All right, they're like and they remember and they just suck the energy out of you. But they do it through deception. Fear is a liar. It always has been, it always will be. It wants to keep you stuck. It wants to keep you hindered. And and we feel comfortable giving into the fear just because it's our familiar. But we come to the point where we go, wait a minute, it has a long history of lying to me. Well, if if we go and if we have somebody that that we know every time they come up to us, they lied. All right. They come to you, Mike, and they tell you a story each and every time. Well, They come over you and they start to tell you another story. Automatically, you think what? They're lying. They're lying. And you just go on. They're a liar. Well, if we think about it, has fear lied to you?
0: Oh, yeah. Typically, all the time.
1: But unfortunately, what do most people have a tendency of doing? Believe it. Believe it. There comes a point we have to question it. And this is when the fear shows up. We have to challenge it. Because it's like a bully, you know? It identifies our Achilles heel and pummels us until it gets its desired response, and so we we have to uh, uh, really we have to confront it. We have to challenge it, and then we have to replace what it tells me to do.
0: Oh, that so, makes that's, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I use that as an example of um, ways I would change beliefs. Yes, yeah, that's switch what those it is. things. So it doesn't have to be just about fear. No, it can no, be, no, anything. So if you hear a thought. Yeah. Um, you almost view that thought or belief. Once you get down to the belief, you view that as an entity, yes, right? Yes.
1: And, yeah. It's a mistruth. It's, it's trying to own me. Right.
0: So, so when, so when you, when you talk about fear being a, a death eater or, you know, what is it saying to me, you know, uh-huh. you know, what's going on here. Um, when you, when you acknowledge that and see what's happening. So you're associating pain to it. Yes. Right. Yes. Yep. So what's the best advice to put a new belief in? It, so we got to replace it, right? Or it's going to
1: come back. Absolutely. Uh, what rule of thumb is you take away something, you got to put something back. So if if whatever it tells me, I'm going to identify something that is totally opposite, and that's what I'm going to focus on. So if the fear comes in and says, "You know what? Doesn't make any difference what you're going to be doing. You're going to be a failure." Okay. Well, that's a lie. And so what I replace it with. And again, this is just what I use is I'll, I'll go back to the scripture and says that. Nope. He says that I'm more than conquer, more than victorious, you know, uh, or he says, you know what? You're going to flub up. Uh, they're going to think you're a joke. No. God says, if he called me to do something, he's faithful, then to to do it. And again, this is just me. I use scripture. You could use other things such a. but it goes back to whatever you go opposite of what it's telling you. You're a failure. You know what? No, I'm not. You know, i um, and especially if we use the two words, I am, and we put it in the front of any statement. Strong. Oh, it's powerful. So I could say, I, you know what, I am a loser. Or, you know what, I am successful. I am uh, uh, approachable. I am of calm spirit. Now, a lot of times we go, well, that's lame, Rick, because I don't feel that way. We, there comes a point where we need to be uncomfortable enough to where we don't buy into our feelings. Our feelings, if you look at the definition of a deity, it's anything that directs your steps. Our feelings could start to be our God. Our fear can start to be our God. And so that's why we go, no, even if I don't feel it, I'm going to, I'm going to start to dub that over the old, you know, that, you know what? I am successful, that I am of worth, that uh, I do have value.
0: Do you think scripture helps you not only because of, of believing, you know, in in, in Jesus and in the Bible and Christianity, but also it's associated to it brings you back to, to your power? Like oh, it's yes. like it automatically you, you sit up straight. You yes. know, when you question, you know, when you question that, so you put yourself in a power position.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I'm always going to go to something a whole lot bigger than I am. Right. You know, and, and uh, again, there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh but it's all written by us, you know? And, and to me, I, I do believe that the, the scripture is where I could go and get my, my truth, okay? Again, others go someplace else, but for me, that's what, what I go to. And that helps ground me. That gives me comfort. And even uh, studies in, are showing that people who have a connection uh, to uh, uh, a belief system are healthier, moving through any type of issue. Yeah. Well,
0: it gives you a framework. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I love listening to Jordan Peterson on this. because mm-hmm. He kind of like breaks that down. Um, and Twelve Rules for Life, I love that book. And yeah. Maps of Meaning, although it's a difficult book, yeah. um, he kind of talks about the, how the world was structured in Christianity. Sure. And, and it's really fascinating. Um, and I think it was him that talked about, and I was going to ask you about this, when so... Religion, um, it's almost like we're pushing it out and we're trying to replace it with something else or like a science and it's just turning it into another religion. Does that's that make it. sense? That's but, it. but untested. Yes. Um, and if you don't acknowledge it, that's what's happening. Yeah. So, uh, why we have so much shame in our culture yes so it's um, I, don't, I don't know what do you think about that does that does that make sense well so it, we're breaking our framework
1: it, it does and, and part of that framework we got to look at is that it's it's not about re- to me it's not about religion it's about relationship right you see yeah. it, it's my relationship w- with my god it's my relationship with jesus when we start to turn it into religion then it becomes dogmatic then it becomes Makes legalistic. Sense. Yeah. If you don't do A, B, C, and D, well, you're you're a horrible individual. Well, no, I'm going to develop my relationship with God, and then my natural byproduct is is that I want to do these things. It's not out of condemnation because there's actually a verse in Romans eight one that says there is no condemnation for those who love Christ. But it is more out of I'm going to do it. It's, it's my it's my uh, I'm walking down that love path. Well, when I care for somebody, you're just more apt to want to do things for them, or do things with them, or do things um, to talk about them. When you go to religion, that's when it, we push it and we start. Anything could be a religion,
0: right? Yeah, you can yeah, make anything, yeah, anything. You can like make anything that. a yeah, religion. Yeah.
1: And then if we don't follow the exact same things through that, then somehow we're a bad person. You know, that's when the shame and the guilt come in. Yeah, that's you so know? there's
0: like a structure to it, and you have to yes. do this, this, yes. this, and this. So that's the difference. That's the difference. For, yeah. And
1: even uh, a lot of people battle with guilt, okay? They, they're they eat up with guilt. Now, I uh, once talked to somebody about, you know, you can always tell a difference between God's voice and Satan's voice. Um, God will use conviction, but conviction— elevates, it heals, it restores. It's
0: like a questioning, right? Like a healthy questioning. Yeah, it's a healthy questioning.
1: It's, it's like if I go and I, and I, and I uh, uh, spit in somebody's oatmeal, God's going to say, okay, Rick, go make it right. All right. But there's no condemnation attached to it. He'll just say, go make it right. Or he'll lay it on our hearts to go speak to somebody. Or he'll put on us to go, you know what, I need to help this individual out. Or he's, it's conviction.
0: So is that the Holy Spirit? Or yeah, that that's conscience for you? It, Yes, yeah. and it's
1: kind of giving us direction. Guilt doesn't come from God. It, it takes a partial truth and robes it in condemnation. Look what you did. You're a miserable individual. How can you call yourself a believer? Who do you think you are? You're, you're a failure as an individual. Well, that I don't know how many times I've been through Scripture, but he's never acted that way, nor does he even say that in it. You know, but the more we get into like the, the religion, well, that goes more into the guilt, okay, uh, or and even the judging.
0: That's when we turn it. Yeah, that's into, when we turn it. No, so, so even in Christianity, sometimes uh, it we're, we're faulted, right? So we, we can turn it into a religion, our person could, oh, or sure. a certain church, or a certain. I, I don't if that makes sense. No, so, it, it yeah.
1: does. And yeah. uh, and there was a, a story but, where Jesus was talking to a uh, a Pharisee. And they went to the 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 synagogue, and the Pharisee says, "You know," and he's looking around and says, "I am so glad that I'm not like all these other people, these tax collectors and these. You know what? I'm a good man. I haven't said, you know." And 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 there then there was this tax collector that said, "You know, I can't even go up to the altar because I am, I'm just not good." Well, what you know. But he and he he repented and Jesus basically said, you know what, there's an arrogance with the Pharisee, you know, and I'm summarizing. There's an arrogance with the Pharisee and he's he's missing it. It's with this other one who says, you know, I want something different. You know, I, I don't want to be where I'm at anymore. That that they're, they're really connecting with something that they need to connect with. You know, so
0: no, that, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I, I was gonna ask you too, what, um, what advice or what would you say to men that feel shame around asking for help? Let's say to go to, to go to a therapist or yeah. to even admit to a spouse or, or their mm-hmm. friend that they're struggling uh, mentally, physically or whatever the case is?
1: For well, sure. To me asking for help, somebody asking for help is the earmark of a strong individual. Not asking for help, is weak because if you're asking for help what are you looking for
0: strength Strength. like to make yourself stronger
1: which means that somebody's going to have to come up on board somebody's going to have to challenge me somebody's going to have to so
0: really you're asking for responsibility
1: and so if we don't, we go, no, I don't need any it. Well, actually, if you think about it, that means you're giving your permission not to do anything. you're afraid. You're
0: afraid. It goes back to the fear. Yes. Oh, that's a great reframe. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me want to go higher five now. That's right. <laughs> now, so that's a great thing, too, the, the reframing. So changing yes. our perception. So that's the same thing. It's kind of changing the belief about something, correct. right? Correct, yeah, correct, That makes sense. Well, that's good. Well, you got any good jokes? Anything, any stories you'd like to tell?
1: Oh, my kids, I tell you what, they... Uh, uh, always the dad jokes. Always the dad jokes. I can leave it on this one. Um, there's these two muffins sitting in the oven. One muffin looks at the other muffin and says, Woo, it is hot in here. The other muffin says, Ah, a talking muffin. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's bad.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I it hope was, your kids don't listen to this. Well,
1: and, and, and you were at my 60th birthday party. Yes, yeah. And of course, my kids were on either side of me telling dad jokes. Yep. Sucking down helium. And so, it, and then they opened it up to the, to the folks that were out there, you know, sitting at the tables with the dad joke. So I love a good dad joke.
0: Oh my gosh. That was, that was, that was funny to watch. And I know you, I know you're busy and I know you probably got to go, but um, you have such a, so the, the field that you're in is difficult, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you probably hear some things that um, no one would want to hear, you yeah. know, and, you know, you get to hear about people's situations and different kinds of things. How do you keep such a relaxed personality? Like, is that natural for you? It's just um, you always seem to look at the bright side and, and joke with people, and you're always very loving towards people and inconsistent. So mm-hmm. so how do you do that? You know, what would you contribute to that?
1: Well, I, I look at it and, I, again, it's something I learned a long time ago, is that with what i do it's not about me the more we make things about us the more anxious and miserable we become um what i've learned a long time ago is that uh, what i do is not about me and it's not even for me what i do is just direct people to help them get unstuck you know I, i help direct people to something bigger than us all you know and and, and so I think that helps me, especially when I my mantra is, it's not about me. When I was in doing clinical supervision, uh, I remember my clinical supervisor said always, a couple of things I said is always allow the process to work, and it's not about you.
0: It makes sense. Yes. That's good advice.
1: Yeah. And then I have to also practice what I, I, I preach. Um, to me, my belief system is extremely important. That's where I get, that's my core, period, you know. Uh, but not that, just that is that I also go and I want to make sure that I practice exercising. I make sure that I practice connecting with others. Uh, being outdoors to me is very cathartic. So
0: No, I, I think that's awesome. So do you, if someone wanted to work with you, do you do remote? Do you have a website they could go to? And also, um, where could, if they wanted to get your book, where would they find that?
1: Uh, yeah, you can find the book on Amazon. Well, um, uh, oh, what is the? The big bookstore here.
0: Oh, Barnes and Noble. Barn, Barnes, Barnes and Noble. And Noble. Yeah. Okay, you could say. I had to think for a minute too. <laughs> I, I did. I just been lost there forever. it.
1: So you could go to the Barnes and Noble website, uh, Amazon website, and and track down. Uh, Rethink for a change. Uh, they yes, I do also telehealth. Um, I have some cl- I got some clients in, in in China, and again, it's more of uh, I can't re- with. You know my license again; it's in the in the state. Right, I have right, to make right, sure right, of that, right. but I can do uh, kind of like life coaching with right. them outside of that. And so, yeah, you, you consult for oh, yes. So
0: a couple, so you consult for businesses too, and then oh, sure. individuals for life, life coaching or consulting or whatever you call it. Yeah. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. So i've I've done that for years. So that they, they they could go to um, CFI's website. I don't know what the website. Is uh, you just look for Christian Family Institute or put my name in and it will you'll take you to the yeah to the to the website. I'm I'm like the Geico caveman when it comes to technology.
0: <laughs> well, your website looks great. I, th- I think uh, the ripgriffy will actually can take you to CFI too. Okay, I'm, I'm good. pretty yes. sure. I'm yes. pretty sure. Yes, Yeah, because yeah. I think I try to do a little bit of research, even though I know you I try to look a little bit on there, to no, see what's going on. No,
1: because I've I've never looked it up. Yeah. I, have you not? Uh, no, I I don't even know what my phone number is. I never call me.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they <laughs> so, have the muffin joke on the website. Okay, I don't know. Good, I'm just k- is. I'm just, I'm just kidding.
1: But, yeah, they could go that. And then we could always, uh, if they call, um, uh, as far as for counseling, uh, they just call our office. But if they want the coaching, they go to the website, and, and we could hook them up.
0: That's great. Well, Doc, anything else you want you want to share? Uh, I
1: appreciate it and I'm proud of you.
0: Doc, thanks so much for coming on, man. No, I really you, enjoyed you, it.
1: You're doing you're doing excellent stuff, big man.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Doc. Yeah. Well, happy weekend to
1: you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye.